If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode, what we wanted to do is we wanted to give some people a concrete, specific way to maximize uh, the aesthetics, the appearance, the looks of their midsection, their abs, their obliques, shrink the waist, uh, how to make it look defined. We actually, in this episode, give you a specific workout that we come up with that we think generally will give people exceptional results. And we also talk about how to apply it. We talk about the rep ranges uh, that will build and develop your midsection to make it look more uh, to, to make it appear easier at higher body fat percentages. We talk about like how often you should train your midsection. We talk about the talk about the function of the muscles of the midsection. We talk about a muscle that a lot of people don't know about, but it actually shrinks your waist. And it's not your abs. It's not your obliques. There's another muscle that's deep within your core that shrinks your waist. We talk about that as well. So I don't want to go uh, too much deeper. Uh, again, this episode, we give you a workout at the end, so you'll get everything you need to develop uh, an impressive six-pack. Um, before we continue, though, I want to remind everybody that MAPS HIT, it's our high-intensity interval training program, is 50% off. It's a very effective fat-burning program in the short term, so it's excellent for those of you that want to burn that extra few percentage before summer. It's 50% off. Here's what you do. Go to MAPS HIT. M-A-P-S-H-I-I-T dot com uh, and use the code HIT50, H-I-I-T-5-0 for the discount. And that's it. Without any further ado, here we are talking about how you can get your abs to be visible sooner rather than later. We got summer coming up. Ho! It's around the corner. Summer is coming. Yeah, you know, it's uh, by far, I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask you guys anyway. Have you guys' as girls been uh, bikini shopping already? Are they getting ready like that already? Uh, I heard the thong song on the other day. Mm, that was a not, throwback. Not at all an answer to this question. Yeah. But <laughs> that's all. I'm, I just immediately in my head that yeah. came up. Awful input. Yeah. 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 No. So, yeah. No. Yeah, no. No. She's 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 got herself a couple new bikinis. She does a lot of sun tanning out in the backyard. My my girl has a uh, bikini addiction. Really? Yeah. We have we have a dresser at the house that is bikinis. It is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. How in my many life. do you need? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. We're talking. Wait, hold on a second. We are talking in the hundreds. Get wow. out of here. Yes. I feel that's like. That's her shoe thing. Yeah. She, I feel like, like you're like being you a have. little hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's why it's why I get away with this. <laughs> this is why I get away with the shoe deal. She has 100 mm. bikinis. You have how many pairs of shoes? We. She probably has as, me, as many bikinis as I have shoes. Now, value wise, which one has, has, well, has yeah. been a. Has, Wasted more. I mean, shoes cost are, more. Shoes. Yeah, but that's just it. You ain't reselling your bikini for nothing. Mm. Nobody's nobody's buying a used bikini. Yeah. And if well, they are, is there a market there, for that? There yeah. is. Maybe no. in Japan. I'm, <laughs> what? what? Why Japan? Uh, they, they have, <laughs> they, you guys never seen those vending machines for those used the, underwear? Yes, yes. All right, that's that terrible. was that was the reference. Yeah, I'm anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Anyway, on a low note, summer's coming, and what the reason why I said that is because and the reason what question I was going to ask you guys is by far what's the one body part that you get the most questions around, especially when it comes to summertime. Abs, yeah, hands down, visible yeah. abs, yeah. not even close, right? right? Not even close. It's always about the midsection, the abs, defined abs, six pack, uh, sculpted, you know, midsection, whatever. Um, by far, that's the most popular thing. 
But I think we got to deconstruct why. Why is that? Why do you guys think that is? Like, why is it all about like? Why isn't it just like defined shoulders or quads? Well, why is it abs? I don't know. I feel like abs are hmm. uh, a, a visual representation of health. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that I would you, agree. It's not that you can't. Uh, be healthy and not have like pronounced abs, but if you do have pronounced abs, it's a good it's a good clue. Yeah, well, it's a good I also indicator. Think it's rare, you know. Like if you go to the the pool, you don't see a lot of six pack abs. Like it, it's it's hard to attain. Yeah, I don't know if it's you're right, uh, and that could play a role. Although not all things that are rare are are alluring. Sure, like I said, you know, like I said earlier, you could, <laughs> I could grow you know 15 inch fingernails. Yeah. But nobody's doing that, and I'd be the gross. only—I'd be the only one with them, and nobody would be like, "Oh my God, it's rare!" Right? It looks so good. No, I think uh, what you were saying, Adam, is a big thing because if you have lean abs, it means you're probably lean all over. Right. Whereas some people can be store very little body fat in their arms, but have a lot of body fat in other places. If you're lean in the midsection, it generally means you're lean. Also, having muscular core tends is a, is a pretty strong hint that you have good. Uh, movement and athleticism because it's so it's it's like the the connector between your lower and upper body it literally is and if it's strong and functional it means you have good usually what good locomotion good athleticism mm-hmm. so i think we find it attractive or alluring because it tells us this person's healthy fit athletic and virile yeah they have a lot of abilities like uh, if you have a nice strong core you know like from an athletic perspective it really you know, shows me that, uh, you know, there's probably some some power and control and, and you're capable of a lot of things. Well, it's really the the foundation of almost all pursuits, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be strength or athleticism, like a, a good, strong core is, a, is, a, is the base, right? It to, is. To your point, that it supports both the lower and upper. It, it, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it plays a major role in most function. And so it makes sense that uh, that body part would be so prized by both uh, men and women because it's both you know there are certain body parts that tend to be more prized by men and more by women like you don't see too many guys asking about glute training for example um, but when it comes to the midsection everybody wants a chiseled yeah both sexes lean midsection it looks good uh, for everybody because of the things that it- that's a good point too that's probably the abs are probably the most universally loved Mm. Easily, right? Because, like you, to your point, like you know, I don't get a lot of guys that ask me about building their butt, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, or and women I don't, that are like, I want bigger biceps. Yes, right. Yeah, You're right. So, but I would say abs are probably the most universal. Well, I think too is you know, as we get older and we age, like that's one of those things, like where it's harder to maintain, like a, a flat stomach, a you know, a nice tight six pack, like you. Like you can't get away with things quite as easily as you, as you progress in age, and so if, if somebody actually like puts all the work in, the effort, it's very noticeable. Yeah, and it's it, it now to get a, a incredible looking midsection, it's there's work involved, obviously, and it can be difficult, but it's not complicated. This is where I think a lot of people they they almost think it's like this elusive. It's simple. It's not easy. Yeah, it's like this elusive formula. Like it's going to be, you know, not everybody's going to have great looking abs or whatever. And yes, there's genetic differences to the way the midsections look. But most of us can accomplish some pretty pretty phenomenal changes in the way our midsection looks with a good plan, with a simple plan. I feel like there's two there's two major things. There's two major factors: nutrition, which is I, I feel is pretty obvious because you got to be lean, right? You so, can have the greatest, most developed midsection muscles, right. but and then, you're not lean. And then how you train them, mm-hmm. uh, which. I believe that's the part that's most neglected. I think we've heard abs are made in the kitchen, right? right. And, and there is some truth to that. Like you could have the strongest abs in the world, but if you don't reduce your body fat, you'll never see them. Right. So 
there is some truth to the statement that abs are made in the kitchen. But because of that statement, and I think how popular it's become, I think a lot of people neglect how important the training piece is. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I, I hope we dive into the most today is like, you know, how to train the midsection to have these pronounced abs and all the different things that the abs are responsible for. So they ha there's a lot of moving parts in the, the transverse abdominus and all the things that it's capable of doing and a lot of different exercises that target it differently. Right. And, you know, what you said earlier about the training is so, so true. I learned this lesson. Uh, it's got to be at least 15 years ago or 12 years ago where probably more where I would routinely get lean in the summer. I used to get my body fat down to around 9%, 10% every summer because I'd want to look lean. And when I would flex, uh, you could see that I had a six pack, but it wasn't super pronounced. Um, and then when I was relaxed, I had a flat midsection, but I didn't have those abs that showed even when I wasn't flexing uh, my muscles. And I really wanted that. Like I always wanted that six pack or, or the, those abs that I could just stand relaxed and people could tell like, oh, wow, that, that guy's got well-developed abs. It could never accomplish that. And I thought, gosh, I'm going to have to get shredded in order for that to happen. I'm going to have to get down to like 6% body fat, which is just insane. And it takes a lot of work. And at that point, your body really tries to fight the, the fat loss. And it's not necessarily a healthy body fat to get down, at least definitely not to stay down uh, that lean. And so I had kind of this epiphany where I realized, you know, we do, we know how to develop the muscles of the body as trainers. We know that heavy resistance, tension, full range of motion, any particular application of how we do those things builds more muscle than other ways, right? We, we know that if I do lots of sets of 30 reps and 40 reps, I'm just not going to build as much muscle than if I do heavier weight, more tension, more resistance, you know, eight to 15 reps. And yet forever, I thought the way you train the midsection was super high rep. That's what I thought. You just do high, lots and lots and lots of reps for your core, lots of circuits. That's the way you develop well, a nice midsection. Well, that's still like the common thought and the information that's provided out there where, uh, you know, if you look at anybody's programming, that's pretty much what you're going to see is just a ton of reps or just, you know, holding a plank where you might not even be targeting your abs specifically for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are all things that we try to, to bring to light. So people know that like, okay, there actually is a way that you can be more effective with that same exercise you've been told is good this whole time, but you may be actually applying the technique incorrectly. Yeah. Well, I, I remember reading somewhere when I first started training, uh, where they would would compare abs and calves to the rest of the muscles on your body and they would explain they would say that it's comprised more of fast twitch fibers therefore it they uh higher reps tend to work better slow twitch yeah or excuse me yeah, slow yeah, twitch yeah. thank you slow twitch fibers therefore they that tends to uh, respond better to these higher repetitions and because i remember reading that I assumed it to be true forever, and I was the person, too, who was, you know, 30 repetitions or supersetting ab exercises between each other and neglected to strength train them. The same, like, to your point, Sal, these foundational principles that we've known for all other muscles, right? Mm, yeah. And I did the same mistake with calves. This was, like, both mm -hmm. the, this was mind-blowing for me for both my abs and my calves, calves that later on that I pieced this together that why am, I treating, why am I treating my abs any different 
than my than any other muscle on my body. Right now, f- first thing, the your muscle fiber types can actually uh, adapt and start to act like the other muscle fiber types. So let's say you do have genetically high numbers of slow twitch muscle fibers, which are the endurance muscle fibers. Endurance muscle fibers have more stamina. They can contract uh, over and over again for longer periods of time. They're not as strong or as explosive, and they have less growth potential. Okay, The fast twitch muscle fibers contract harder, faster, more powerfully, but they burn out much faster. They lose stamina much, much faster. They also And they have a higher capacity for muscle growth. But what we find with studies is that if you train a particular way, muscle fiber types start to act like the other types. And start to because your body is adapting, it's trying to get better at the at what you throw at it. Um, number two, sure, the, your midsection may have a higher percentage of stamina type uh, muscle fibers than other parts of your body. And yes, if you train those the the midsection with lot with lots of endurance stamina stuff, it might have a greater propensity for stamina and endurance. But that still me that still doesn't override the fact that training. The fast twitch muscle fibers or training that with that type of training is going to build the most muscle no matter what. Because those are the muscle fibers that grow. They have the highest propensity for change, physical, visible change and growth. The other ones simply don't. And when I learned this 12 years ago, when I started thinking about this, I'm like, huh, maybe I should train my abs. And rather than doing these high rep sets and circuits, Maybe I should try to just get them strong, like I do with my legs or my biceps or my chest or my back. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should train them to get strong, train to build them. It was mind-blowing, the results right. I had. L- literally, literally. And I have pictures. I got to find them because they're old pictures, obviously. Within months, I'm talking like within three months, I had uh, a, a midsection where my six-pack went from not being visible when I was relaxed to being so visible when I was relaxed that if I wore a thin shirt, you could see my abs through my shirt. And it was all because I developed the muscles, actually built them. And so what happens when you train your midsection properly is that those muscles and that definition becomes more visible at higher body fat percentages. Now, what did that look like in terms of like your reps? Were you at like a 20 rep count and then you brought it down to a five to, you know, like a, what would that look like in terms of like your your crunches, like the kind of exercise you're, you're doing? Well, to be clear, almost all rep ranges build muscle, just some are better than others. The, the, the best rep ranges to build muscle range between you know, if we were to look at them all, um, although you can apply them all in different ways, you're looking at anywhere between five to, I would say, 20 reps. Like, play within that big zone, mm-hmm. um, you're going to build You're gonna build muscle. Now, if you stay in one zone for too long, it stops working. Well, you I, switch to and, another one. and I think that's the, the greatest takeaway from talking about ab training and what most people do. You, It's very, very rare I walk into a gym and I see somebody doing uh, reverse crunches or some sort of a sit-up, and they're doing five reps. Like right. slow, hard resistance. Rarely like added resistance and, yeah, low reps. You don't see that a lot. Right. So it more than likely, majority of the people listening to this podcast right now would probably be better off heading there first just because I think they'll see the greatest change right away. Now, yeah. all rep ranges, I think it's important to incorporate that, but more than likely you've been doing stuff in the 
you know, 10, 15, 20 rep range. It's probably even more than that. Right. I mean, if you look at the popular like core training workouts that are out there, it's like 30, 40 reps. It's no rest in between sets, so it becomes a circuit. Right. I go from this one to that one to this one. It's it's uh, it's all around stamina and endurance building. Yeah, I used to be building. I used to be part of the camp of uh, trying to hit 100 a day. Yeah, and, and doing the push-ups in conjunction with that, and like calisthenics, and um, yeah, that was a common thought process. Was like as many as many as possible. That was like you know my only focus, and not yeah. really bringing it back to actual strength training. Now, something that's important to understand is just like with all exercises, this is not just true for for the midsection. All exercises, form is crucial, but it's especially crucial for the midsection because when you go and do a heavy resistance ab exercise like a decline sit up and you're holding a weight at your chest and you're aiming for 5 to 8 repetitions if your form is not perfect you're you're not going to you're not it's not going to work you're going to feel it in your hip flexors and you may in, in fact feel back. it in your low back so you want that curling up motion that the abs do so just a, a quick uh, lesson on the abs and I think we should go into the different muscles of the midsection and why they're important to develop but the abs themselves which give you that six pack the action of the abs is to bring the rib cage closer to the pelvis mm. Because if you look at the attachment, remember the way a muscle works is it has two attachments, two anchor points, one on one end, one on the other end. And then the middle of that are muscles that squeeze and contract and shrink. And what they do is they bring those two anchor points together. So the anchor points for your midset for your abs are rib cage, pelvis. They are not bending you at the hips. They are bending you at the lower back. Does that make sense? So think about somebody who's like somebody with really, really tall posture bending over, like a waiter, that's hips. That's not abs. Mm -hmm. What you want is you want to roll up in the lower back area because that's, that's what's flexing the abs. This is how I explain. I explain like if you have somebody's spine and you're trying to and you're trying to roll it up. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a better visual trying to understand bending at the hip or where where you're hinging at versus rolling up. Like if you just lay down flat on your back and you imagine your spine all the way down, and of course there's this nice little curvature in there, but you're trying to roll it all the way up, like you're trying mm -hmm. to roll a piece of paper up. That's your goal. Exactly. And to perfect that movement before you add any sort of resistance yes. or anything to yes. it. Yes, because what I found with clients too is that they'll be like, oh, I use resistance. Then I'll watch their form and they're they're all flexing at the hips and I'll take the resistance off, make them do that where they're rolling up and now they need no resistance and it's heavy. It's Right, so first thing, like getting their back flat on the ground. Is it called a perfect crunch? It's perfect the one sit perfect sit-up is, is a favorite like technique, uh, you know, a specific mm -hmm. exercise that I like to kind of take my clients through to learn, okay, so now I got through that first vertebrae, second vertebrae, third, and I'm working my way up and really like rolling and crunching my way towards yes. the belly button. And yeah. that's something that, um, you know, they can feel that um, it, it takes it takes that amount of concentration and effort to do it right. Yeah, and it's important to understand too that muscles have uh, different functions or different ways of contracting. There's a stabilizing contracting where it's just holding steady. There's the, the full function where it's squeezing and then extending. There's uh, you know fighting opposite forces type of uh, a functional movement. But by far, the type of movement that builds muscle is when you go through the full range of motion. So although the midsection does a lot of stabilizing, and you should do stabilization type exercises in your training like planks, planks are not going to build your abs like a full range of motion, slow sit-up or reverse crunch or a properly done leg raise. That's what's going to build. It's no different than me saying, 
I'm going to train my biceps. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do some stabilizing. And all I do is hold a dumbbell out by stabilizing with my bicep. You're doing tension stuff. Yeah, that's going to that'll build a little bit and it'll build some strength. But it's not going to build as much visible muscles if I do curls, mm-hmm. which is through the full range of motion. So that's something that you want to keep in mind. The other thing you want to keep in mind are the main muscles you want to attack when you're training your midsection. Yeah, not only just attack and then the responsibility of all of them. I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's neglected. And, and I think you just nailed one right there with like you know, isometric or tension type stuff, and then anti-rotational things. Oh, so yeah, that's a big there's one. There's other responsibilities of all these muscles in, in your core and your abs. You don't just have these abs that just roll the spine up. There's a lot of other responsibilities at your trunk. There is. You have uh, your obliques, both internal and external. That twists your body. So just think of it really easy. Uh, aside from the other things that those muscles do, you're looking at rotation and stabilization. Then you have a muscle uh, underneath all of that called your transverse abdominus, which is like your body's weight belt. This muscle is more responsible for shrinking your waist than the abs and the obliques. Mm. So for those of you listening right now that not only want defined muscles of the midsection, but you also want a tight midsection so your waist is small, you want to be able to train this particular muscle right here known as the, the transverse abdominus or the TVA. And that muscle doesn't crunch the body. It doesn't rotate the body. It shrinks the midsection. So literally, if you're sitting listening to this podcast or standing and you suck in your midsection, the muscle that you just used was the the TVA. I, I like to use the analogy. I used to use a pen, right? I used to grab a pen and I'd put it between my, my hand to where it's kind of floating around right here. And I'd, and I'd shake it around so my client could see the pen kind of moving around in my, in my finger or in my hand. And then I would explain to them that your transverse abdominus are these internal muscles that wrap around your spine. And when we activate them and we engage them, we tighten that up. And then mm-hmm. I would lock the pen in place. And that's what we're training when we train those those muscles. Yeah. And like to your point, so bracing so, response, right? Not not only is it gr- important for uh, you know st- you know stability and strength. But also visually, because yes. it'll, it'll bring your your stomach in a little bit. And I know you did a great YouTube video on this on like vacuum poses. Yeah, that's actually one of the exercises I almost always yeah. recommend. And you know, for a lot of, and I get this more from women than men, where especially uh, women who've had children, they'll come to me and then they'll be like, "Hey, I got lean. I do lots of ab exercises. I do lots of oblique exercises. I can see my muscles of my midsection are defined." But I have this lower belly pooch mm-hmm. that I didn't have before, and it just it won't go away. No matter how lean I get or whatever, I have this – my midsection isn't flat and tight. And the reason for that is because they didn't strengthen their TVA muscles. And when you look, when you think about going through pregnancy, having a baby – like right now, Katrina's pregnant right now. Right. And, you, and she's very visibly pregnant right now. All the muscles of the midsection have to kind of atrophy a little bit to allow the growing of this baby. But the muscle that really has to atrophy is the transverse abdominus because that's the weight belt. That muscle has to relax and stretch. And then when you have your baby, you do your abs and obliques, but you don't strengthen the TVA. That muscle stays it stays uh, weak. It stays, uh, you know, you, you lose a, a, a its ability to squeeze and contract. In fact, when I have, especially post-pregnant women, do vacuum poses, it always surprises them that they can't at first. They can't even, they're like, I can't yeah, connect can't to that Can't even muscle. activate it. Can't activate it. Yeah, it's but tough. The, but then we start to activate it and work on it. And then I've, I've I mean, it's not unheard of for female clients that I would train to shrink their waist by an inch without getting any leaner just because they got that muscle stronger. Like they, we would measure their waist relaxed and it would just go down by an inch, not getting any leaner. And that's the key with 
good midsection training is, yes, you got to get lean, but if you program your workout properly and you train the function of the abs, obliques, the TVA, and you throw some components of stabilization and some anti-rotation in there, and then you train with the right amount of reps and frequency, you are going to see significant changes in the way your midsection looks just because those muscles really get developed. Now, why we're, why we're talking about shrinking the waist, I think this is an important time to, to talk about, too. Uh, do not fall for the waist trainers oh, no. that are out there because the, a lot of them will promote the shrinking the waist. And in fact, a lot of them actually do work. If you wear them and you wear them nonstop, day in and day out for weeks, you will take inches off your waist. The only problem with that, it's the opposite of what we're doing. Instead of us, like we're talking right now about strengthening these internal muscles so those muscles hold in and draw in your stomach, this actually totally atrophies and weakens all those muscles so they shrink. And so they're not losing spinal support. Right. And if you've ever had a cast on your body anywhere, in your arm or your leg, and then you've taken that cast off after a month or a few weeks or whatever, you'll notice that th that the muscles have, are significantly smaller and you're a lot skinnier. Like I remember as a kid, I was 13 years old. I dislocated my left kneecap and I had to wear a knee, uh, excuse me, a leg brace. And I wore it for like two months. It kept my leg totally straight. I wasn't really fully activating my quad or my hamstring. Maybe it was even less. I might have even been just a month. When I took that knee brace, that, that leg brace off, my left leg was significantly skinnier than my right leg. It totally had atrophied. That's what happens when you wear a waist trainer. You are making those muscles around your midsection atrophy, and on top of it, you're also compressing your digestive organs in your body. I actually uh, know of a, uh, of a person who wore waist trainers and uh, caused a bowel obstruction mm. that required... Uh, removal of some of her bowel because of a freaking waist trainer that yeah. her trainer told her to wear while she was sleeping and wearing it all the wow. time. So definitely not the way to shrink your waist. Plus a smaller waist that's as with less muscle looks weird. It doesn't look... Uh, people think it'll look aesthetic and look nice. No, it doesn't. It actually looks kind of strange. If you see it, mm -hmm. you can tell. Yeah. That person doesn't look fit. They just look like they have a smaller waist. It doesn't look good well-developed uh, midsection muscles with good definition, even if your waist isn't smaller, just looks incredible. In fact, if you look at uh, female, hardcore female athletes, MMA fighters, high-level CrossFit competitors, even females, these women don't have tiny waists. They have well-developed obliques, but they look impressive. They look amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure everybody who saw, who sees what they look like would say, oh, that's something I would want to look like. Yeah, now trying to explain anti-rotation without getting like lost in the weeds, like if you just think about being able, the ability to rotate, I want to rotate back and reach for something while keeping my hips and my legs where they are and stabilized. That's anti-rotation. That's mm -hmm. keeping my lower body in control while I also have the ability to rotate and twist in my torso. And that could be with my legs uh, rotating as well, where I'm trying to keep uh, you know my upper body doing something else. So uh, in terms of athletics. I mean, that's huge. That, that's everything. Just the ability to control your body. Not yeah. only that, I think it's one of the most underrated uh, exercises and movements when, when incor incorporating or talking about training the abdominals is, is incorporating that. Because when I think of my clients that I've trained for years, man, this is where injury normally happens, mm -hmm. is moving in another plane. And it's never like... Oh, Adam, I was, you know, lifting this 300 pound thing and threw my back out. It's like, oh, I was gardening. 
Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I reached I, back to get yeah, the most mundane belt. things. Yeah, usually. Right. Or I reached back to, to hand my kids something, a juice in the back seat or something like the most mundane type of movement. They end up injuring themselves. And that's the lack of these type of exercises being incorporated into your routine. We just stop doing that because we don't move in all these different planes. As we start to age, we forget the importance of, of training the muscles that are responsible for protecting you when you move in and out of these planes. And that's why I think anti-rotational movements are arguably one of the most underrated things that you can incorporate when you're training your abs. Yes, and if and here's the, the, the cool thing about the way you train your body is when you train it in a way that's both uh, geared towards aesthetics and function, you get more aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me let me let me let me say that again, just so everybody get it, it sinks in, because a lot of people think I just want to train my body to look amazing. I don't care about the function. I don't care how strong it is. I don't care how well it moves. I just want to look good. And most people won't say it outright like that, but that's what they think, right? They go to the gym and like, look, I just want to look good. Whatever, anti-rotation. Is it going to make my my abs look as nice as as this exercise over here? That if it doesn't, I don't really care. Here's the deal. In, In my experience, if you want maximum aesthetics, definitely train for aesthetics. But throw in some stuff that maximizes your function. Then you get more aesthetics. You look even better. And for the for for those of you listening right now that are thinking, uh, you know, what does that look like? Look, it's like it's like the buffed guy at the pool versus the buff guy at the pool that can also move really well. Okay, now just picture how they look and how they move. The guy who moves really well, he looks better. He moves better. So incorporating these functional movements like anti-rotation stuff. It's not specifically a you know these a category for aesthetics, but it will improve your overall aesthetics because part of your aesthetics isn't just how you look in a picture. It's how you look in real life, and real life means you're moving and you're standing and you've got a particular type of posture, and so it makes you look better as well. Here's another example of anti-rotation. If you had poor, let's say you had you had no ability to prevent rotation in your core, and you go throw a frisbee, you would literally twist your body in you'd half. You'd go with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your you'd body throw would, it, and your body would just you know like flail with it. You twist in yeah. half, and so part of the core's body is to prevent stuff like that from happening, and that's what you know. And and so this all sounds really complicated. Don't worry, we're literally going to break this down for you. I think we should at least yeah. give people like an example of what a workout's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, you know, give them an example of like how often. That's another one too. Uh, one, uh, I w- I'll call it a myth, but I'll say there's some truth to it. Back in the day, people used to say train each body part once a week, but train the abs much more frequently. Uh, that's part myth and part truth. The myth is that the rest of the body shouldn't be trained frequently. That's false. Every body parts seem to do better when you train them, you know, two or three days a week with the same amount of volume than if you just did once a week. Um, uh, but in, and it's uh, so that part was false, but the part is true. It's true for the abs too. Train the abs. I think, uh, in my experience, three days a week for most people seems to be the best. Yeah, I agree. The best approach, yeah, right? I agree. right? And, and so let's look at how we would kind of break this down. Like what a workout would look like. One of my favorite favorite ab building exercises for the abs, for the, specifically for the abdominals, is a good slow reverse crunch. Hmm. I like the reverse crunch even better then I like the crunch. I don't know what your guys' opinion is. No, on I agree. Yeah. And this is where I think some people would end up using uh, like uh, hanging leg raises. And I don't like those there, especially when I'm teaching uh, abs. It's very. It would be very rare that I would get a client that when we would go do abs, they had really, really good form. Mm. I, I actually think that you can make 
you can make a reverse crunch laying on a bench or on the or, ground mm-hmm. really, really hard. It did, and Justin, I think, made the point of like trying to articulate every single little mm-hmm. vertebrae and roll it up. This is another great exercise for that. Oh, it's incredible for that. And if you do that really slow and controlled, five reps of your body weight, just your mm-hmm. legs, the weight of your legs of rolling the spine up really slow and opening back up really slow. So I found it uh, easier to teach a reverse to teach people proper ab function with the reverse crunch than a regular forward crunch because with a regular forward crunch i would see a lot of neck movement yeah i would see people kind of jerk themselves up or whatever but when i have people lay down flat tuck their legs and just try to roll their hips back off the bench they would get it much faster oh there's a reason there's a reason for that when you when you roll backwards like that it once you get to about the halfway point it actually Force, flattens the back, flattens, flattens the back, and then you keep continue rolling up, which is I think an important because you're taking your butt off, you're taking the hips off. Exactly, the exactly, which I think is an important cue when you're doing a regular crunch. So if I'm teaching a regular crunch to somebody, I have to cue the press your back flat against the ground first mm-hmm. and then crunch up. Mm-hmm. Right. Otherwise, they end up bending at the hips and they get so much hip flexor involved that their abs maybe kind of feel it or not at all, and they feel it all in their hip flexor. Mm-hmm. So I agree, Sal, teaching the reverse crunch kind of it's it's a, that's kind of a, a trainer trick right yes. it's like a it's not that it's a, technically a superior exercise it's that it helps people get the cue on and understand that importance of that low back getting flattened out it builds out to that connection even deeper right. and i think like once you can really educate them in the process of like how you should feel that go like that's a great technique to use uh that that trainers can teach you know each one of those individual vertebrae as they release from the bench yeah now, now, if you want to add, res- let's say you do these really, really well. You're on a flat bench, you're doing them. Your form is good, and you but you want to build the abs, and you're, you're just doing too many reps. Because if you're strong, your midsection strong, you got strong abs. Reverse crunches flat on a bench. You'll probably get to the point where you're doing 30, 40 of them. That's typically what I can do. Uh, all you got to do is put yourself on a decline. Yeah. So grab onto a decline bench. And oftentimes, they'll even have something for you to hold on above your head. So rather than uh, – it's it's like those those uh, those decline benches where you can hook your legs over the top to do like a sit-up. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, lay backwards on it so your head is at the top, your legs are at the bottom. Hold on to the top and then tuck your knees and tuck your legs and then roll up into your reverse crunch now going uphill. Mm. Now you've got some resistance. Now we got some added stress. Now you've got yeah. resistance. That by far, once it gets – as my abs get stronger, that was – by far one of the best ab building exercises I ever did, ever. I would just make the decline steeper and steeper as I got stronger. I would slow down with the full rep. And man, my ab- I would literally get a pump in my abs, which I didn't realize you could get, but obviously you could because it's a muscle like not another. So definitely I would say first pick uh, for, for, for the number one exercise, reverse crunch. And if you're strong, do it on a decline bench. Right. Second exercise, I think we should go into doing another kind of full range of motion exercise, but this time let's do it for the obliques. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing, and I'll ask you, Adam, because I know you 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 were in this space for a little while. The obliques sometimes get a bad rap. Yeah. You know, sometimes they say don't train the obliques because it'll make your waist bigger. Yeah, which I think is really, I think it's funny. First of all, it, our waist, uh, we we all have, uh, you know, depending on our skeletal structure, we we have either wide or narrow hips. I mean, no matter what. And I think building obliques, regardless if you have narrow, wide, only makes 
the the body look more aesthetic and it makes the v taper and that that v line that goes down that everybody likes everybody talks about that what right. do they call that that's like the yeah i don't know what you i don't know the the the, the technical term but the the v the v that goes down to the crotch that everybody everybody loves that look and building the obliques Creates even a, great, a greater, yeah, the love V. We'll call it the love <laughs> yeah. V. Oh yeah, creates an even greater illusion uh, by building the oblique out. And this was so for me. I loved uh, cable cable chops. For me, were like oh, my, yeah. my go to. I I love cable chops um, for for doing that. And for the reason that you said, Sal is like you know I want a full range of motion type of exercise for the obliques. And it just offers that. And it's really easy to set up. And using like a free motion machine or a cable machine, I can adjust it right to my height so I could work that. Now, for hypertrophy, the way I liked to do a cable chop is I'm trying – because there's different ways to do a cable chop. Yeah. But when you're trying to like work on the aesthetics of the obliques and so work them through full range of motion and, and kind of build them and be, make them look more muscular and more defined, I like to plant my feet. I like to keep my feet both flat planted and I'm I'm keeping my my arms are just a long lever holding onto the cable, and I'm just rotating my upper body so that I'm I'm rotating at my spine, working my obliques through full range of motion. So you're keeping your hips uh, from rotating with your upper body. Right. Twist. So I'm going all the way back and then rotating. Which forward. so this is good. It's a good point, and it's a good way you started that by saying that because your focus is aesthetic. Because yes. Training for function and training for athletics different. Mm. Yeah, right. you'd be rotating with your feet. You'd be throwing yeah, more. You'd of your be body pivoting in. your back foot and, and rotating with it because it would be a smoother movement. This yes. is all a good point because this, there's controversy here. This is like if you were to put a video up on YouTube and you put one way or the other, you would get a bunch of critics like usual on YouTube or trolls that come on there. <laughs> oh, that's critics, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Critics uh, is a yeah, nice word for them. We call them trolls. Fancy name yeah. for trolls. Yeah, so they get in there and they would say that. So there, there's. It's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's that there's. If you, if our goal is something different, if we are strictly using this as a tool to build the obliques and our desired outcome is aesthetics, then it makes sense what you're saying, Sal. If we were uh, looking for athletic performance where there's a lot more rotational movement mm -hmm. going on, that would make sense or function something that's more functional. You would move and pivot like Justin is Now, saying. to take it a step further, here's a little variation, and you probably won't find uh, an example of this anywhere, but I'll, I'll explain it, and it's kind of easy to understand. If you did these cable chops seated, um, you could straddle a bench, uh, put your legs on either side of the bench, pinch the bench with your legs, mm. and then do your cable chop. And what that does is the, the pinching of the bench with your legs anchors the lower body mm -hmm. and it forces it to stay steady so now you're just rotating at the top and it's purely an oblique mm -hmm. building exercise yeah or from the knees i used, or to, do, from, used to do from the knees how did you how would you do that on your knees oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah so just get on your knees and you could do that easy that's yeah, yeah I, I never thought of that yeah, yeah that would be another real easy mm -hmm. so now you've done an exercise that two exercises that build and develop the muscles of the abs and obliques very, very well because they're kind of these these full range of motion aesthetic or bodybuilder style exercises. And these are the ones that are going to give you the most aesthetic bang for your buck. These are the ones that are going to cause most of that visual uh, change. But we do want to work the function and uh, uh, the, you know other functions, I should say, of the muscles of the midsection. They do contribute to aesthetics as well. And plus, again, they just make you move better. So we, we, we got to talk about stabilization. Yeah, and isometric has got to be. There. Isometric. Yep. You've got to be able to stabilize the core. And so we should talk about the good old-fashioned plank, yep. the most abused and incorrectly done exercise, in my opinion, <laughs> oh, yeah. in gyms. Uh, but it, the exercise, when done properly, has a lot of, of value. 
Um, now, the way that we teach it, in fact, we have a, a YouTube video that that was one of our first, I would say, viralish videos on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It was controversial for some reason. It was because the way that planks are typically taught is people get into plank and they get it, they put them in an anatomically proper posture. But I always thought if I want to work my abs with the plank, I want to put myself in a crunched position while doing the plank and then hold that position. Let me tell you, the difference between crunching your abs and holding that and then the other way, night and day. Mm -hmm. You feel the abs really working when you do it the way that I explain it. And you're still getting a lot of the stabilization benefits that you would get from the plank. It's just now more of an emphasis on the the visual aesthetics of the abs. So to 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 explain it over the podcast, I definitely re- recommend it. We'll put the video in the in the show notes. So if people right. want to run a direct link to it, just go to mindpumpmedia.com, go to show notes and you'll be able to see it. But I'll explain how it is. So it's just like a plank, you're on your forearms and on your toes, but rather than being kind of this tall posture, tuck your tailbone. Tuck your tailbone and squeeze your abs and hold that position throughout the however long you're doing it. And, and typically I have people hold it between 30 to 60 seconds. Right, because the typical explanation is to keep like a neutral back. So you, you naturally have just a little bit of a curvature in your lower back. And uh, the common way that people have taught it is to just really, to just squeeze, you know, your glutes squeeze and try and draw in your abs to support that neutral back position. But we're emphasizing the squeezing of the abs even further by tucking that tailbone. That's and, right. And, and you'll really emphasize it so you'll feel those abs getting it, it it turns it into a much more difficult exercise. Yeah, no, it, this is an incredible, and I think that uh, you know you're talking about a regular plank right now. I think you know, uh, including some sort of a, a side plank or you know going back and absolutely. forth between those on different uh, alternating on different days. I love to do that, but just the the main point is there's got to be some sort of an isometric exercise. Yes. Yeah. So when I think of all the movement, we got to have a strength building one in there. We've got to have an isometric, and we have to have an anti rotational for sure. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, but before before we do the anti rotation, I do like people at this point throwing in something for the transverse abdominis to get the the muscles that shrink the midsection to practice and strengthen them through their range of motion. Um, and you know what's funny is that this was actually a prized function of uh, for of bodybuilders. Right. Wasn't this a pose that, that, that could be pose. on stage? Yeah, and, and show that. Because uh, it, it really does take a lot of practice and technique and repetitions to be able to, uh, you know, activate that and be able to really like hold that uh, that that pose. It, it takes a lot of work. It does. And so a, a, another video that we did a long time ago that went uh, semi-viral was our vacuum pose video. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But just to explain on the podcast, a simple vacuum pose is standing and all you're doing is you're drawing in your midsection, you're drawing in your belly button, and imagine you're trying to get your belly button to touch your spine. So you're pulling it in as hard as you can, holding your breath, trying to get it in, trying to touch your spine, and hold that squeeze for anywhere between 5 to 30 seconds for those of you that are really, really strong. You can almost grab with your fingers. You can feel your your ribs at, at that point when yes. you get like far enough back. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Now, if you want to add resistance, get on your hands and knees. So now when you're ha- on your hands and knees, your organs are pushing down uh, uh, through your midsection. So now you have the resistance of your organs and it makes it more difficult to do that vacuum pose to draw it in. In yoga, it looks like uh, camel pose where the where the back rounds 
and they're sucking in the midsection. Yeah, they got a training certification called this the drawn maneuver, right? The, the drawn, drawn maneuver. maneuver. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I would do that, and I would do sets of that. I, I would recommend people do that movement, uh, you know, three to five sets of anywhere between five to 30 second holds, and then, of course, rest in between. Make sure you catch your breath. This is an exercise you can actually do every single day, by the way, just a little off topic. Vac- for, especially for women who've lost uh, the strength and tone of this muscle through pregnancy, post-pregnancy, I recommend women do this uh, two times a day every single day, mm-hmm. in the morning and at night, uh, just because you're trying to reconnect to those muscles and get that waist to shrink up and tighten up again. But in this workout, three to five sets, plenty, plenty. Now we need more kind of that anti-rotation stabilization type stuff. What do you guys think of like a suitcase carry? What do you think about that? Absolutely love Fantastic a suitcase. Fantastic exercise. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a suitcase carry is like a one-handed farmer's, farmer's walk. Yeah. You're literally holding a dumbbell in one side and you're walking. But how you walk makes a big difference, Well, it's it? great too because you can work on just, you know, good posture in general too. We could, we could you know, bring those shoulders back and down um, and, and really stand nice and upright uh, while you're, you're holding this weight at your side and, and you're not allowing your body to compensate for that. So what, what's going to try and happen is, you, you know, your body might want to dip down at some point where you're, you're trying to correct that and keep tight and, and you're going to really feel that in your obliques trying to stabilize and it. And this is just another one of those things too. And I know we are talking about, you know, building an impressive or a, a good looking six pack or abs, but this is, I, I, you can't, I can't help but think of the importance of this just again for protecting yourself. And when you think of your everyday stuff that you do, when you grab your bag of groceries, never is it exactly even in both hands. It's, it's normally there's a little bit more weight in one side. You're carrying one kid in one arm on one side. There's so many things you're carrying a bag of dog food. There's so many yeah. things that you do in your life where you're not like perfectly carrying the same weight in both arms. Mm-hmm. Rare is it balanced? Yeah, exactly. Rare in life and, and everyday stuff is it actually balanced out for you? And so, these things like this, I think, are such a, a such a good thing for you to practice. And then if you're also getting the benefits of helping build this great looking six pack abs, it's like it's a no brainer. This has to be in my routine. Yeah. Now, also. now one tip: what what what'll happen is when you're holding something heavy in one hand and you're walking, two things. First, walk tall, walk with your full foot, walk straight. Try to keep your body upright. Don't let it dip, and then don't let the opposing arm stick out to counterbalance. So it's not like you're carrying a bucket and you're, you're just trying to get it somewhere where you, your hand sticks out because you got something heavy. You want that, that other hand at your side as well. So that means you might have to go lighter and you want to walk like a robot almost, you know, step, step with your other hand swinging just a little bit, but standing nice and tall. This is the counter rotation aspect of this exercise. If I was just standing with the dumbbell, this would be a stabilization type movement. But the fact that I'm walking and my lower body wants to rotate, but I'm keeping it from rotating and I'm also holding a weight on one side, I get that counter rotation effect from this exercise. And that's something that I recommend people do three sets on each side for something like, what do you think, 20 steps? Mm-hmm. Is that about right? About 20 to yeah, 30 20 steps? steps, 20 yards, something about like that. Tw- about 20 yards. Yeah. Um, and, and do that for about three sets at the end of your workout. That's not something you want to start with your workout off. But what's cool about this is by the time you get to the end of your workout, you'll start to really feel how this works because oh, yeah. you've already done the reverse crunches, the oh, chop, yeah. and all no, that no, other stuff. For sure. Yeah. So now, now in terms of frequency, uh, we talked about three days a week. I think every other day uh, is ideal. You mm-hmm. know, work out one day, give uh, yourself a break, and then work out another day. 
So Monday, Wednesday, Friday tip tends to be a good thing. Now, what about reps? We didn't talk too much. We kind of gave it a range. Of well, reps. if we if we are if we're setting this up, it, like the way I'm the way I'm envisioning the way we're explaining all this is, you should be able to take this information, uh, and take the exercises, take what we're giving you right now, and build it right into your current routine, right? So, and what I would do with that is I would do a three day a week routine, and then I would have one day that is more strength based. I'd have one day that is more hypertrophy based and one day is more endurance. So what does that mean? That means the strength day, I'm I'm doing all these exercises that we just talked about, but around the five rep range. And then the hypertrophy day, I'm looking at eight to 12 rep range. And then on the endurance day, I'm looking 15 to 20 reps. Oh yeah, excellent, excellent. And, and they give you a different feel. They work the, the muscles a little bit different. This will prevent uh, some plateau. So just to kind of uh, put it all together, um, it, this is what it looks like, okay? And this is literally the workout that we think will work for most of you. And of course, you know, make sure you have doctor's clearance. Make sure that all these exercises work for you. But your first exercise, reverse crunches, about three sets of this. The rep range is anywhere between 5 to 20, depending on what day your workout, uh, you know, if you're doing the strength, hypertrophy, or endurance day. Cable chops, three sets as well per side. Your plank um, hold that plank, squeeze those muscles. It's real important that you actively try to tense those muscles up even harder. Do that for anywhere between 10 to 30 to maybe even 60 seconds uh, for those of you who are really, really good and strong. Vacuum poses, three sets. Hold that squeeze for five to you know 45 seconds, depending on how much control you have. Suitcase carries, you're doing about 20 yards. I would say you can go, if you're doing strength, I would do shorter hypertrophy, 20 yards, endurance a little bit longer. So that means the strength days will be a little heavier, uh, the hypertrophy days a little lighter, and the endurance days uh, will be the lightest. There, oh, one thing, by the way, I do want uh, to kind of go over the myth, a couple, one, one big myth about ab training, and that is that you're going to work, you can work the upper or lower abs depending on the exercise. So a lot of people will say leg raises works the lower abs, sit-ups works the upper abs. Here's the deal, doesn't work that way. The abs have two main attachments. They all contract. So whether you're doing a reverse crunch or a forward crunch, it's lower and upper abs uh, at the same time. And yes, I know there's studies that show that maybe the muscle fibers of the lower abs contract first in a you know, reverse crunch, and therefore you are totally you're splitting so many hairs. It's like you're at the you're at the quantum level. Uh, total waste of time to focus on upper abs and lower abs. Um, but I would say focus on obliques, abs, the drawing and maneuver. Uh, full range of motion, stabilization, and counter rotation, and I think you've got that all. Well, and and the out. and the idea is that we've laid out a really nice foundation for you, and then if you want to do different strength exercises, so let's say you've been doing reverse crunches for the next four or five weeks, and this is where you would rotate other movements in there instead of the reverse crunch. Now you do like a full sit up uh, instead of that movement, and there's tons of anti rotational movements. Uh, that you can do and isometric movements mm -hmm. that you can do. And so you can get on YouTube and search other ones to chart to to switch in and out. But I would stick to those movements, the the rep range, the kind of the, the cadence that we, we're recommending right now for a good solid four to six weeks before you start, you know, changing out any sort of the movements. Absolutely. And again, of course, remember, you got to get lean. But I'm telling you this, if you develop your midsection muscles properly – you won't have to get as lean to have uh, muscles that are more visible. You can get more definition 
without getting leaner simply because the muscles are more developed. This is true for any part of the body. Uh, an, a a well-developed arm is going to look more defined at a higher body fat percentage than a arm that has smaller, less developed muscles. True for legs, back, glutes, chest, and for your midsection. So training your midsection properly with good programming that is a that is literally half of the equation. So if you're if you're right now like we're in the middle of May, and you're like, oh, I'm trying to, I'm getting leaner for summer. I want to look good for summer. So I'm looking at my diet, and we've got plenty of episodes on that. I think the metabolism boosting episode and fat lo- uh, loss episodes that we've done are, are excellent for that. And you're doing all that. Do not negate proper exercise programming because that is the other side of the coin here. And if you do it properly. Uh, you will be like I was. Like again, I trained for years. I was an experienced trainer at this point. I developed my abs, and it was like, holy shit, I'm at 10%, and my abs look more visible now than they did when I was at seven or eight percent before, when they weren't as well developed. Um, and make sure you check the show notes where we have links to some of these exercises uh, that you can click on and watch our demo. So you make sure you do them right. Also, go to mindpumpfree.com and download. Any of our guides, they're all absolutely free. Also, you can find us on Instagram. Justin can be found at Mind Pump Justin, Adam at Mind Pump Adam, and me, I'm at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.